If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Sander Myers. Sander is the Toronto-based Canadian country manager for Adyen, a Dutch payment services provider that allows businesses to accept both online and in-person payments within a single platform. Their innovation is applying the concept of unified commerce, combining online and in-store shopping payments in the most convenient, seamless, and frictionless way possible, creating a unified shopping experience for both merchants and consumers. Sander has picked up his entire life and moved his family lock, stock, and barrel from Amsterdam to run Adyen's Canadian operations directly from Toronto soil. Welcome, Sander, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? I am good. Thank you, Andrew, for the invite. I am currently in Toronto City in the office of Adyen, right, right next to Union Station, right next to Scotiabank Arena. I have a view of the lake here and it's a beautiful day, so I'm good. Excellent. You're right in the heart of all the action. Now, you've been with the Dutch payment services provider Adyen since 2017 at their Amsterdam headquarters. You actually started working as country manager for Canada from Amsterdam. What was the experience like of managing the Canadian operations remotely? Well, in, in, in all honesty, there was a country manager here. Um, he was a, he's a New Yorker. He was trying to manage it from New York, which was perfectly doable during COVID. But once uh, COVID was over, he, he was asked to actually go to the city and be amongst the Canadians. That was a hard hard choice for him, as, well, especially for his wife, in all honesty. And then it was up for somebody else to take over his seat. So it wasn't that I was completely... I and mean, yes, I was in Amsterdam, I was remote, but there was a team here, there was presence here, there were four people in the office, there was a guy who was running the office from New York for already three years, so I felt that I was taking over instead of starting from scratch, which was a very comfortable situation for me. So, and also the team travels to Amsterdam a lot because I had quarters in Amsterdam. So before I started, I got to meet the whole Canadian team in Amsterdam, and we had drinks, uh, we had good conversations. And overall, I think COVID taught us that remote work is possible. The time zones are a bit hard sometimes, so that's why I moved to Toronto uh, a few months later excellent well that was my next question what prompted you to take the plunge to move with your entire family to canada 
in August 2022. Agin is a is a really fun company to be, and in 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 a few you don't get a lot a lot of chances to build a little Agin out of a few. Like the headquarters is I guess, 700 people, San Francisco is 400 people. There's a lot of big offices. There's not a lot of small offices, and the small offices. A unique opportunity to to if you if you get the opportunity to sm- to grow a small office into a big one, you just jump into it. I feel if you if you believe in the company. So, but then of course you have to look at the country. What kind of country is this? Does it fit my family? Does it fit myself? And Canada is a thing that's been on my wife and my bucket list for years to travel to see it. It's a very uh, welcoming country. It's uh, we like snow. We like outdoors stuff. So. Put those two things together, the job opportunity in Canada, and it was just, let's, let's go. So we jumped. It sounds like a home run for sure. Your whole family is with you now. Did you come ahead to Toronto first to get settled in and then send for your family? Or did you literally all get on a plane one day and move your lives to Toronto? It's a, it's a bit of both. I, I signed the job offer before I even visited Canada, but me and my wife did do a visitation trip to sort of... <laughs> See if it's still okay. I mean, we could we could still back out, but when we did the visits, we, we we came here the two of us for a week. We visited the city. We visited areas where we could live, and we only got more excited. And then two months later, we flew the whole family in during the summer. Excellent. Now, any interesting stories from your physical move from Amsterdam to Toronto? Was it super smooth, or have you vowed to never take on such a big move ever again? Uh, I don't think super smooth exists where you put your whole life in a container. Uh, you're always going to run into, into issues. I think the packing went, 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 we, we, cause it's very stressful when you pack your life. So we said, are we going to select all our stuff before we put it in the container, which is very stressful, or are we going to, are we going to do it when the container rises? And there was so much going on. So we just put it all in the container and then the first thing that was a bit annoying was the container took like. I think a month and a half longer than expected. So we were living in a house without any stuff for a month and a half, which was something new. It also was a a, <laughs> a good thing when you when you learn you don't need that much stuff. And then the container arrives and you didn't do the selection of all your stuff. You're like, oh my God, we're going to put all that stuff, which was another horrible couple of weeks where we were basically throwing out stuff that we just put in a container to ship across the, uh, across the ocean. But other than that, uh, I would say setting up an account, setting up uh, health insurance, having people in the neighborhood that welcome you. I mean, Canada truly is a welcoming com- country. We we did really find that was that was smoother than expected. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Now, I have to ask what area you ended up settling your family in. What neighborhood are you living in? We're in the beaches area. Um, we used to live in the Netherlands near a beach as well. So we didn't live in Amsterdam. We lived in The Hague, city outside of Amsterdam that has a, that's near a beach. So we figured if we're going to change our life up that much, we might keep keep a few things the same. So when, when I found out there was a beach in Toronto, that's the first area I went to see houses and we found a, a really nice house there. Now you have been in Toronto with your family for over a year. What is the report card on your Toronto and Canadian experience so far? Well, like a like the report card, like a zero to ten uh, grade or something. Yeah, why, uh, why don't we do that? Ten, <laughs> the, the best ever. Zero being you when we were back in Holland. Uh, I think I think ten. There's always something to wish for. But I, I, I mean, 
it's also a good day today. You caught me on a good moment. And I have bad moments too, where I miss my family and friends. But in a good moment, it's a it's a nine. It's it's such an adventure if coming from a different uh, coming from a different small country and then coming into a big North American city, Canadian city like Toronto, being able to go on adventures every weekend is something that I myself and my family and my kids are truly 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 loving at the moment. Excellent. Well, that's a good report card, and you obviously yeah. have the right attitude about it. Now, the Toronto office for Adyen, you've talked about it being downtown. How many employees are there? And are these employees Canadians or Dutch nationals? I would say 90% Canadians. And in, in true Canadian fashions, all of them have different nationalities. But they are, they do have a Canadian passport. But there's, I think we've got 12 different nationalities in our office of 27 people at the moment. When I got here a year and a half ago, we were eight. So we're really going through like a little hyper growth here in the Canadian uh, office. 27 people, 12 different nationalities. I am the only, well, just we just got a, another Dutchman coming from Amsterdam who, who immigrated here. So there's only two Dutch people here. The rest is Canadian with, with all kinds of different backgrounds, which makes it a very fun place to be. And I think a very nice reflection of the Toronto community, to be honest, our office. It does sound like it. Now, you've yeah. kind of alluded to it. It sounds like you've settled on a hybrid workplace. Would you describe everyone is working from the office, from the home, or a, a true hybrid kind of setup? So a true hybrid setup. We do we do have a guideline where we want people to come in three days a week. We, we, we want to have a vibrant office culture. Uh, we do believe collaboration comes from vibrant office stuff. So we do fun stuff, but we also like to work together in the office. I'm not keeping count though. I'm not, I'm not checking a book like, Hey, you missed a day today. Like, I mean, we're a normal course of life is very important to add in. So if you, I don't know, go to a dentist and had a really rough week and I'm not going to say, Oh, you still need to come in one day. That's not how we work. And as long as people are keep coming in, which is the situation at the moment, I don't have to keep count. So it's it, hybrid works for us. Now, Sander, we are going to, at this time, talk about the financial technology or fintech industry. And I'm warning you, you're going to have to explain everything to me as a 10-year-old. So let's start with some background. What is omni-channel shopping and what is unified commerce? All right. Well, one of my favorite topics. I would, If I take you back years ago or decades ago, you would go into a store, you would give a person cash and you would get your goods, right? Then we, thought, we figured out that cash is unsafe, it's clumsy, so we need to get that technology towards cards or digital or yeah card payment methods let's, let's call it that so we needed systems to be able to process that that's when a payment processor like agent comes in you need you need a system in the background to be able to take money from your bank account and put it in the store owner's bank account that's what we do basically now the moment website starts selling stuff Everybody was very, oh, we need to start, we need to get into there. We have a store, but we need to open a web, we need to open a web store too. So that's when you cre- this whole new financial technology movement uh, t- uh, came up where everybody was building technology to take money from a website store. So when you buy something online, you take your money and we put it in the web store. These two systems were built dispersed from each other. That was just the nature of things. So a brick and mortar store would go to shop technology to get his payments done at company A, and he would go to company B to get his payments done on a web store. 
when stores and global enterprise companies like 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 Lululemon or Nike or whatever they 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 expand so fast over internet and over stores, that meant every time they go into a new country, they had to again buy two two new techniques: one for their store payment, take payments in store, and one to take payments in in web stores. And in web stores, every country has a different way of paying. Some like to play with Karna, others like to pay with Ideal. Like every country has a completely different landscapes of payment. So it's already getting more complex as I speak to you. So imagine a global enterprise having to do two different technologies in every country they're in. Now they're in 100 countries. They've got 200 different technologies, setups, and the CTO is going completely crazy. He doesn't know how to handle it. So... Omnichannel, or what we like to say unified, what we offer is our platform can handle in-store payments and web payments on the same platform. So Lululemon or Nike connects to us once, and now they're able to do payments on the same platform. They don't have to connect to two different platforms. On top of that, when they decide to launch a website or a store or a store in Germany and a website in Sweden, we offer the payment methods on the same platform as well. So they could say to us, okay, I want, I'm thinking about opening stores in Sweden and Norway. We say, well, great. You're already integrated with us. These are the payment methods you just have to flick on. Do you want to do it online or in store? So, and that's truly unified commerce. So it's, it's unifying the technology in the background. And the advantage of that is once you've done it, obviously there's technology advantage because you don't have to keep all different dispersed systems up to date. But there's also data advantages. Imagine that if you buy something online, Andrew, and then you buy something in store, and now a a marketeer has to go get his data from two different platforms to figure out that you're actually the one that bought online and in store, that gets annihilated if it's on the same platform. Your payment card becomes your, your identifier, and the marketeer could just open the payment and say, oh, Andrew bought something in line and Andrew bought something in store. It's the same guy. We're going to send him an email. Thanks for that. You're a loyal customer and you bought two things instead of being able to figure out two different Andrews bought two, bought two things separately. That's just generally what we mean with unified commerce and our platform is truly unique globally where we can say we bought global coverage online and in store. I think you did a great explanation. And the reason you did great is because I don't care about any of that stuff. As the consumer, I only care about my shopping experience. If it's online or it's in person, it should be exactly the same. But what I'm understanding from you is that's not the way it was for the merchants. They had two different platforms, one for online sales, one for bricks and mortar sales. Neither team was talking to each other. It's like a split system. So if I understand you right, you have a single platform that kind of resolves this and I guess that goes directly to the question of what is the current split in the marketplace of online versus bricks and mortar sales? Oh, that really depends on who you're talking to. So it's, it's, it's a, an aggregated number would not be super beneficial because literally COVID changed the world, right? Uh, a lot of companies said, oh, we're doing great online or we're doing great in store and they had nothing online. COVID made them push to go full for online and then they were doing forecasts where they're going to stay. is online and only 30% is going to be in store. And then COVID ended and the whole thing changed again. Well, actually it's 70% in store and only 30% online and we need to change our stock again. And that's that's different for every retailer we work with. So it's, it's, it's just, 
I, I mean, yes, we probably could give you aggregated data, but I don't think that's super interesting. What we like to do is we talk to retailers per person and say, what happened to you? Where's your sales going and where do you want it to be? Well, if you want it to become more e-commerce, let us help you in getting your e-commerce set up more seamless, your payment method set up better, your checkout experience more easier and faster. And if it's the in-store problem you want to work on because you see people work walking in, then let us help you with new terminals, new experiences, a sleeker setup in your uh, checkout calendar. So it really depends on where the mer- where the merchant wants to go. Some merchants were like, wow, I, I, I tried the e-commerce part, but it's not working for me. Let me just be the best in-store company that's out there. So it's, 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 it's pretty dispersed. And that's what we love doing because our platform is doing both. We can, we can, we can leverage, we can work with both, uh, companies, but most companies and that's most companies want what you said, a unified experience for their customers, right? If most, there's, there's not a lot of companies that choose one side. Most want, a in-store and online to be completely seamless and that's where that's where our platform really shines well as you note regardless of the exact mix online and bricks and mortar are here to stay there's going to be some kind of combination yeah now in my experience retailers usually care about increasing revenue they only want to talk about things that will increase revenue not so much about reducing costs how will merchants actually make more money by investing in unified commerce initiatives the best way of putting it is um, think about loyalty, right? You're, it's, 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 it's tough times for a lot of people and you want to be recognized as a loyal shopper to get a good deal. Now, hey, I bought five shirts online. I bought shoes in store because I want to try them on. And then I'd like to be rewarded for that during Black Friday or just during any kind of day. If a merchant doesn't recognize that the same person bought five store five shirts, and then how can they give a proper loyalty offer? And you're gonna be you're gonna get a different offer when they just think you bought five shirts. If they know you bought five shirts and shoes, wow, I, I'm able to give you a fifty percent discount. So it's like data is one one point. When you got the data who your shopper is, you're gonna be able to give them better deals because you know their lifetime value is just higher than you ever thought it would be. And you can select the customers that actually do both and know who's your loyal customer and give them better better incentives. That's one part. And then there's just, I would say, hygiene experiences, but there's still a couple of companies that don't do that. When you bought something online, you fit it on in store, you're like, it doesn't fit or it's the wrong color. You want to go into that store and give it to the person that's there. And they're going to say, thank you. I just refunded it to your card online. You don't need to do anything. And that's an experience where you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to buy an store. I'm going to happily go to the store and maybe I'll see something else in that store that I like. And maybe that and that person's store could actually give me a proper discount on something because he knows that I bought a lot online the last year, but I, this is my first time in the store. So you know what? Thanks for coming to the store. Tap your card. We know who you are. Here's a, here's a pair of free stocks. I don't know. Just Just making this up. So these kind of experiences, right? Curbside pickup is something that people have been doing a lot. Uh, we came up during COVID. Curbside pickup, you need to be able to recognize people that bought something online, the same car. Oh, you're the same shopper here. Pick it up. No hassle. So those are free examples of customer experiences that I would say drive revenue. And as a consumer, that does make sense to me because we've only yeah. had that experience where you're dealing with 
it's one company to me, but when I'm dealing with them online and I'm dealing with them at their store, they, they act like they're two different companies. And that's been frustrating in the past. Yeah. And how loyal, how loyal do you, when, when, when you have a company that gets it right, for example, Burton, uh, I just bought something with Burton, we returned something and just the, the communication and the ease of returning something. And then, oh, you just refunded this, we auto refund. You just get a smile on your face. And and now the next time I'm going to buy something, I'm thinking of burning again. It's also branding, I would say. Like some companies are ahead of the curve and, and you want to be part of that. Now, your company, Adyen, is effectively a payment services provider. Would Stripe be considered your main competitor? Um, No, I would say we're a global company. So we have different competitors in every region. So in some companies, like for example, in Canada, there's a, there's local players like Moneris. Uh, they have a big market share. So in Canada, I would say it's 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 probably Moneris, Chase, and and online Stripe. But in US, it's a different look, and in 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 Europe, it's a different play. It's every. But if you look at who's playing on a global scale, there's not a lot of competitors. And when 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 our 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 key merchants are the ones thinking global. And when I say global, it, it's not that they need to be active in every country. But they want to be active in more than just one country. That's when that's when when our platform really becomes uh, very valuable. That being said, I mean locally we can do cool stuff as well, but we do focus on enterprise regions. Now you have a lengthy European background in the fintech industry. Where is the Canadian marketplace relative to Europe when it comes to implementing unified commerce? It's 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 in a good place. Um, I'm going to a retail conference, uh, NRF in New York, which is the biggest North American retail conference. Everybody's talking about it. If, if, uh, if all the Canadian merchants are doing it or are heavily uh, investing into their process of getting there, there's not there's not a company that says I'm not interested and just going to keep two separate uh, two separate uh, dispersed systems. Everybody's thinking about it and doing it in some way. So I wouldn't say that's that different. As a Europe, I think what is different is there's more legacy technology still active in Canada. And then I think the best way of, that everybody understands what I'm saying is look at the banking uh, world, right? If, if the Canadian banking world is far beyond, behind and that has its effects on how you pay out, how you uh, pay out to merchants, how you send money, basically money movement in general. That is that is a bit of uh, a bit of behind, and that lack of innovation. That's uh, we'd like to see other innovations go faster. Well, when you talk about uh, roadblocks to innovation in Canada, one is legacy that you mentioned, but another you've talked about is outages. What do you mean by outages? Uh, outages is uh, if you can't pay, uh, your your customer won't pay, and they will walk out of the store or, or 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 leave the website, close their laptop, and do something else, get a beer or whatever. So that's what I mean with outages, and that's based on old technology. And old technology that connected a bunch of different platforms together is more more at risk to break somewhere. Uh, and often, what what you see then, what you hear is like, yeah, there's this one connection that one guy at the bank knew how it works, but nobody else know how it works, and it's put together. 20 years ago, let's hope it it's, it's it stays that way. And then it breaks and then they're just pointing fingers and who did that, who connected this one and it's just hard uh, because it's just an, 
legacy systems connected with non-legacy systems and it becomes a patchwork of, of stuff and that can create outages. Now, I don't know about the what created the outages last year uh, across the Canadian landscape, but I'm guessing it's somewhere in the connections between all the legacy systems. Well, when you talk about innovation, the other thing looking forward is our point of sale and payment terminals. When we make a purchase at a store or a gas station, unless we're paying cash, we, of course, use a physical point of sale terminal. Are these going to disappear? Oh, and that's a big discussion. Uh, so this is considering is my opinion. I think they will definitely change. I think the time of an old big device that looks like a huge calculator with big rubber buttons, that that will definitely disappear. The terminals that will stay will be sleek devices that basically look like iPhones or even our iPhones or Android devices that you can tap your phone on. So is that still a terminal or is that already no longer a terminal? That's up for discussion, but that's, that's definitely where it's going. That's where you see it going now. Like we offer tap to pay on, on, on Android, tap to pay on Apple devices across the world. So you're already seeing merchants where a store clerk just pulls up his phone and you can pay on, on, on their phone. Will that ever completely disappear? Will people just go Amazon uh, and walk out of the store? I don't know. I don't know. There's mixed, mixed opinions about that. I think what, what we will see is a standard. This is the counter. It has uh, big calculators on the desk. That will disappear. I don't think it's no longer. And you already see leading brands don't do that anymore. And there's already a lot of stores out there where you walk in and you don't see a calendar. It's just a, a clerk with a small device in their pockets that you check out with. Presumably the replacement for payment terminals and the replacement for physical debit and credit cards will be paying by my phone. Sander, can you make the case for going 100% to a digital wallet? And can I get rid of my physical wallet? Again, consider this my opinion. I think yes. I've been in Canada a year and a half. I think I had cash in my wallet twice um, for really unique uh, use case. And then I'm carrying this wallet around with three cards, but they're actually all on my phone. And sometimes I, I think I carry my wallet because of my driver's license uh, and my health card, not for payments. Payments is, I can perfect. So yes, I can make the case. I think on the payment side, we can we can get everything digital, but there's other stuff in your wallet as well. <laughs> uh, so maybe you're going to keep keep having a little purse for your health cards and that and other, other administrative stuff. Well, I think for comfort, I still need to carry something, but it sounds like yeah. I'm in the right direction. Yeah. Now, your company is global and, in fact, has banking licenses in Europe and in the USA. Do you see yourselves expanding into the Canadian banking market? Yes. As a, as a, global, a global company, we want to have a value proposition that's equal in every country we're big in. Getting a Canadian banking license is, is a very tough thing to do. Um, so it's a matter of when is the right time and which, which are our clients that really need it. But it's not a matter of if we we Agile wants to be offering their full solution everywhere we are. That's the goal. But the, it's always a discussion when is when is an opportune time to do it. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with Sander Myers, please check out the more than 200 additional episodes available anytime. We got Dragon Den's Wes Hall, Sharp Edge Picks Harley Redlick, University of Toronto Press's Jessica Mosher, Return Bears Sylvia Ng, and Driftscapes Dan Pronovo how they did it directly from the Toronto legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365 
wherever you get your podcast, or go to torontolegends.ca. I wonder back to you as a person, how do you enjoy working physically so far removed from your company's head office in Amsterdam in the Netherlands? It's far, but they're still close. I, I go there three times a year. I've got people that I've been working with for six years, so it's just a phone call away for us. So I guess the distance is not its not worrying at all. For me, I consider this a, a great adventure. I'm learning a lot from my colleagues here. I'm learning a lot from the market here. Everybody I speak to is a learning lesson. And that's something I get excited about. Uh, your brain has to work over hours. You get energized, you get tired, but you get energized again. Um, learning is a great thing to do. And as, as long as I can keep doing that, then uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. Well, when you talk about learning, Adyen is a global company. You've got operations in about two dozen countries, and thus you have many country managers exactly like yourself. How often do you interact with your fellow country managers, and do you tend to kind of share these lessons learned across different countries? Yeah, we do, actually. It's a, that's a fun question. So the, 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 when we go to Amsterdam, every time we do a country manager dinner, for example, we have a WhatsApp group. Uh, we do, we had some, some leadership trainings together with them. So we, it, it really is a, a pool of knowledge and experience that we, that we lean on each other a lot, actually. Uh, we don't want to all reinvent the wheel, uh, but we have to invent the wheel because some things are just completely unique to our market. But the things that are the same, we spar on, we chat with each other, and we, we, we consider ourselves a, a pool of people that... Yeah, a pool of friends that help each other. I'm going to switch to the fun side of uh, the business and your adventure, as you call it, great adventure. <laughs> I think the number one stereotype has to be that you showed up with your uh, underwear, your socks, and a bicycle. Uh, we all hear about Holland as the gold standard for biking countries. How's your biking experience been in Toronto? Encouraging or totally disappointing or somewhere in between? No, it's great because I feel like I'm the smartest man in Toronto sometimes. I uh, I took an electric bike from Netherlands to um, to here because I knew where I was going to live in the beaches and towards downtown. It's about a 10K. People warned me about the cold weather and the hot weather. So I, I figured let's go. I, I wanted to go not electric, electric, but I decided to go electric because then in the summer I could just... and and. And to be honest, I smile my way to work because I, I pass the traffic jams every day and people are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm looking at them like you're crazy. Like my commute is 20 minutes door to door and I'm outside. I see the lake on my left side. I see the city on my right side and the other way around when I go back home. And it's the perfect moment to shut down, shut off my, my, my day or to start my day. I, I love it. There's enough bike lanes in Toronto that you can find that are safe. Uh, you just need to, yeah. You just need to find them, and once you have, you've got your, you've got your. I've got like three different routes I can take. They're all very fast. They're very safe, and I again, I feel like I'm the smartest man in Toronto because I, I'm the fastest, and I'm getting some exercise and some good weather uh, at the same time. I'm gonna back that up. Not only are you the smartest guy, but we love in Toronto to be validated by outsiders. So for you an expert in biking from Holland, no less, to validate us. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I've got some people in the office now saying like, oh, it, it, they, they all said you're crazy. And then, and now, a year in, I, two people actually started biking. And I think the third one will buy an electric bike for Christmas. 
So if people are seeing that I'm right, of course there are limits, right? When it's minus five degrees Celsius out there, actually that was my limit. So my first year I started finding where's the limit. Minus five was the limit. That was when it got really uncomfortable, even with the right clothing. That's when I take the trade. But apart from that, if, this, if the roads are clear and it's not minus five, it's not raining, then I'm on the bike. Do your new Toronto friends and colleagues call you Sander or have they Canadianized it to Sandy? No, thank God. No, it's still Sander. <laughs> I would fight back if they called me Sandy or maybe, maybe it grows on me. Who knows? Where can we get the best Dutch food in Toronto? Ooh, I don't know yet. I tried to... Uh, so you might know or not, but uh, Indonesian is very big in, uh, in, in the Netherlands. And then there was this Dutch Indonesian restaurant. So I got really excited and went there. But it was nothing like... It was a great restaurant, but it wasn't the Dutch Indonesian restaurant. It was just a fusion of Indonesian stuff. And I don't know why they called it Dutch. I hadn't found bitterballa yet, which is my favorite Dutch snack. They was It was on the on the menu of a brewery and I got really excited and I said, oh, we're all out of bitter mullet. So I, I'm sorry. I don't have the, I haven't found it yet. Well, there's two ways to look at that. One is you will continue to the search and you'll yes. hate us. And the second is you're being quite smart. You've lived your whole life on that food. Try some different food while you're here. So yeah, which, which you, which you, which is great in Toronto. I mean, there's so much good food to try here. I'm uh, having a blast. On that note, are you looking forward to heading back to Holland for a visit, or do you prefer having friends and family come visit you here in Toronto? Oh, uh, both. At the moment, I'm looking forward to people visiting here more, because even though it's been a year and a half, a lot of people have young families and didn't get the chance to to visit me. And uh, I would just love to show them. Uh, Toronto, the beaches, I would like to take them up to uh, cottage country, which we've been enjoying a lot. It's, it's, yeah, I'm, 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 as I said, it's a, it, I'm a happy guy here and I want to show them what, why I am happy. So uh, more excited about that. Excellent. Now I should probably just Google this rather than wasting your time. But since I have you here, what is the difference between Canada and the Netherlands? <laughs> the size, the sheer size. Is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Like we, like we do everything on a bike, and if you go from city one to city B, it's probably a train ride of half an hour, maybe maybe an hour. Here, this is completely different, right? It's like everything is so big and so vast, and when you try to get out of the city, you're driving for an hour. Uh, we would have like if you, and if you drive for five hours, you're in Ottawa. You've seen nothing. If you drive for five hours in Europe, you've seen three countries. So that is a big difference. Uh, in Europe, when you travel, it's completely different. Every every three hours you travel, it's completely different worlds, which is uh, which is cool. In terms of the people, Canadians and Dutch people get along really well. Like we're both humorous, we're both open uh, to other ideas. So that's not a big difference. But yeah, there's a there's there's some nuances we can talk about forever. But um, it's easy for a Dutchman and a Canadian to get along. Well, I, I love the comparison, but I actually was curious about the difference in terminology. I'm a bit of a dum-dum. Holland and Netherlands, same thing or are those different? Oh, <laughs> it's definitely different. Holland is something that is not even a thing. It's south of Holland and north of Holland, which are two different provinces of the Netherlands. And I don't know what happened there and when it happened, but people started calling the country Holland. And I think actually Dutch people accept that. 
and we know exactly what you're talking about. But in Netherlands, when you say Holland, they're going to ask you south of Holland or north of Holland. Like, we, which province are we talking about? <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for clarifying. I, I, yeah, I feel smarter already. <laughs> where can we best follow your company, Adyen? And where can we best follow you? I am very active on LinkedIn, and I talk about Adyen a lot on LinkedIn. So uh, it's 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 my LinkedIn profile is where you can where you can keep up to date with everything that's going on with Adyen and and how I look at things. Myself, I try to I try to be a bit private. Uh, but if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna know exactly what I'm doing personally, I would say come by for coffee. Uh, the Adyen office is uh, is. It's on our website. Um, I'll be around at any fintech conference, uh, any related payments conference. You'll be able to find me. Um, otherwise, I live in the beaches. It's a small community. You can bump on me when I'm swimming in the lake or when I'm biking around the boardwalk or, or taking a run. Or Yeah, that's that's where you find me personally. Fabulous. His whole workday is filled with technology and innovation, but he's still an old school guy. He'll get together with you for a coffee. Yeah, to swim. I am very pleased to hear that you've taken advantage of your great adventure here in Toronto. I want to wish you continued success going forward. It's been great meeting you and hearing about everything you're working on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time, Andrew, and uh, looking forward to having that coffee real, uh, real life one day. You got it. You can count on it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna find some uh, uh, bitter bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where, where, where it was on the menu and where it was out of stock. So we can go back there and have one. Son, put it in your calendar. Yeah. And to the listeners, on behalf of Sander Myers, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.